Hello, and welcome to Mr. Benson's Extraordinarium. Extraordinary tales from around the globe and throughout history. I'm Dan Benson. I used to have a laptop that had the game Chess Titans, and though I don't have much interest in electronic games, I could get stuck playing this thing for hours. Victory came relatively easy to me up to level 3, and from there everything went sharply downhill. At a certain level the machine could outthink me and I could never improve to the point where I passed that level before the laptop became so obsolete I had to replace it. I don't have chess titans on my current laptop, but since then I joined Facebook, so I still have an avenue to dither, procrastinate and while my life away digitally. But how recently did humankind invent a device that could play a strong game of chess against a human opponent? Well, it might surprise you to learn that a very famous device that could match wits with a human on the chessboard was first shown to the public in 1770. Constructed by Hungarian inventor Wolfgang von Kempelen, the machine was built in Vienna and consisted of a very large wooden chest with a chessboard on top. At one end of the contraption stood an automaton, a mechanical dummy that moved by clockwork, which was dressed in traditional Turkish clothing, which gave the machine its name, the Turk. The Turk was a masterpiece of engineering containing an incredibly complex system of gears, and even if it played chess very poorly, it would have been an engineering marvel back in those days. But it didn't play chess poorly. By most accounts, it more often than not won the game, and it's not like it was displayed at carnivals for the average person who at that time in history may not have encountered a chessboard or at least had little free time to become a skilled player. No, the Turk was matching its clockwork wits against some of the world's finest minds, including Napoleon Bonaparte, Benjamin Franklin and Empress Catherine I of Russia, not to mention some of the world's chess masters of the era, or eras. The Turk would travel the world for some 80 years, continuing on after von Kempelen died, with a new owner, and then another, until finally finding its way to what is now known as the Peel Museum in Baltimore in the US. The Turk was destroyed in July of 1884 after the museum that was housing it caught fire, but there are some drawings and accounts that survive that gave up the game. You suspected it all along, didn't you? The Turk, the clockwork chess player, had a series of skilled human chess players hiding inside over the years. The whole thing was an extraordinary eight-decade-long hoax. At around 8pm on the 19th of February 1994, a 31-year-old woman named Gloria Ramirez was wheeled through the doors of Riverside General Hospital in Los Angeles. Her breathing was shallow and she was barely conscious. Gloria had been undergoing treatment for cervical cancer, and her vital signs were crashing, one being her blood pressure, which was very low because her heart was beating so rapidly the chambers didn't have adequate time to fill with blood. 
She was given a cocktail of drugs and was surrounded by medical staff who were doing everything to try and stabilise her, but to no avail. Eventually her heart stopped, and this is where things begin to get peculiar. When her top was removed to apply a defibrillator, it was observed her skin had an oily sheen to it, accompanied by a sweet odour that was somehow reminiscent of garlic. And when registered nurse Susan Kane took a blood sample, she noticed the blood smelled peculiar, like ammonia. Even stranger than that, it had particles in it that some witnesses described as crystals. But before she could mention this to anyone else, Susan Kane collapsed. She would later say that it felt like her face was on fire. Unable to walk under her own steam, she was put on a gurney and taken from the room, at which point resident Julie Gorchinsky began feeling lightheaded and excused herself. But while gathering her thoughts at the nurse's station, she too collapsed and began trembling. In the trauma room, respiratory therapist Maureen Welsh, who was still working on Ramirez, also collapsed. And at this point, head of emergency Umberto Ogoa ordered the ER to be evacuated. Patients were hurriedly wheeled into the car park where hospital staff set up a kind of field hospital and awaited further instructions. Okoa, with a few select medical staff, continued working on Ramirez, but sadly they were unsuccessful. She was pronounced dead at 8.50pm. In her 35-minute stay, she had created an extraordinary mystery. But first things first, her body had to be put into isolation. On the way to the isolation room, one of the orderlies tasked with moving her began vomiting and complaining that her skin felt like it was burning. In fact, some 23 of the 37 people on duty that night would experience symptoms, with five of them needing to be hospitalised themselves. Julie Gorchinsky was the worst affected and would spend some two weeks in intensive care with a variety of ailments including avascular necrosis. Avascular necrosis is where bones begin to die after being deprived of blood, and she would need crutches for some six months afterwards. Despite a team of investigators in hazmat suits conducting a thorough investigation of the facility, nothing of any substance was discovered. Blood and tissue samples were taken from Gloria before her body was hermetically sealed in an aluminium crate, but they didn't yield any conclusive answers either. A report was compiled, and of the affected staff, almost all were women, and a large proportion had skipped their evening meal. But this wasn't particularly useful information. There are untold numbers of theories out there about what may have happened to those who had been exposed to Gloria Ramirez that night, but the leading theory is that Ramirez used a product called DMSO, dimethyl sulfoxide, which is an industrial degreaser, but is used as a folk remedy for pain relief. Kind of in the same way you may have heard of people using WD-40 to rub into joints which are suffering from arthritis. In fact, up until the 1970s, DMSO had been sold for that purpose. It also explains the greasy skin and garlic smell, and when oxygen was administered by paramedics, it metabolised in her bloodstream to become dimethyl sulfone. When blood was drawn in the emergency room, the drop in temperature could have created dimethyl sulfate, a toxic nerve gas. And in many ways, this lines up. 
even to the white crystals forming in the blood sample. But there's still a small problem. Anyone who works in medicine and has drawn blood for a sample will know that the sample containers are quote-unquote filled with a vacuum, so the container would have needed to have been faulty as well. The odds of all these events conspiring right down to a faulty vacutainer are off the charts and quite extraordinary, but it's still most likely what happened. The fact is, we just don't know. Gloria Ramirez, the woman who would become known as the Toxic Lady, has left us with an extraordinary mystery. You've been listening to Mr. Benson's Extraordinarium. Created, researched and hosted by me, Dan Benson. If you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button and continue to join me as I uncover extraordinary stories from around the globe and throughout history. Till next time, peace, love, light. Take care. Catch ya.